Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. This week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Visit audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500 500. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicke and on each episode of this show, we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic, it's two of my best chums in the whole podcast business. It's Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello, hey, Dave. Dave. Thanks for having us. Jeez, there was a little bit of a stipulation there. Best yeah. buds. Oh, oh, in the podcast business. Yeah, thank you for bringing that yeah, up because uh, I was also going to. Top 10. Top 10? That's in pretty good. In the podcast good. business. There's like a million podcasts on iTunes okay, now. What about just in like your personal life? <laughs> yeah, well, Joe Rogan's a good friend in my personal <laughs> life and a great friend in the podcast world. Yeah, okay. I no, agree well with played. him a lot. So it just means the same thing, really. You say in the podcast world, you yeah, yeah. I don't one and the same. I don't have friends. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, great. Okay, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll take yeah. that compliment then. So I consider you friends first, colleagues second. Yeah, that's how it should be. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? For those that don't know, uh, you guys are my co-hosts. We do a show together called Do Go On. And if they don't know, where have they been? Where have you been? <laughs> I'm sorry. Is it nice in that rock you live under? <laughs> <laughs> We've just been nominated for an actor, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> and it is going to our heads. Thank you very much. We are our first <laughs> award nomination. And my goodness, I've, I've been telling everyone. I, I haven't really, told anyone. I underreacted, didn't no, I? I? I'm actually, so sorry. I haven't told anyone. But it felt good to get it off my chest just then. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it is the uh, the Australian Academy Cinema Tel- T- and Television Awards. We've been nominated for Best Web Series, which is for our web series that you can check out now. Yep. And uh, just just posted in our like group <laughs> chat, being like, "Hey guys, here's something else, you know, some other top." And then also we got nominated for this screenshot, and I was like, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> I was really uh, yeah. Only once I told other people, and they went, "Yay!" I went, "Oh, actually, I didn't even tell people. Other people saw it and said, "Hey, were you just nominated for an actor?" I said, "Yes, me and me alone. That's right." <laughs> So, to put it in perspective, it's uh, the Australian film version of a Logie. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like the so. like the Australian version of an Emmy. Yeah. That's what a Logie is. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I wish there was an easier way to explain this, but there's not. No. The actors are the Australian movie version of the Australian TV Awards, the Logies, which are the Australian version of America's Emmys. Yes. Which are the American version... Of the New Zealand, right? Yes, NZDs probably. NZDs, yeah, yeah. Have we been nominated for an NZE? Well, yeah. Basically, we've been nominated for an Australian <laughs> film and TV NZE. 
Yeah. Right, now I get it. And holy shit, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah it's huge. It's huge. So. So, yeah, we're a very big deal now. We'd like to thank the Academy. It's sort of like the Australian uh, TV and film version of uh, the Tonys in America, only there for musicals. So yeah. if it was for a, if Tonys were an online, and because they don't normally do online for the actors, do they? Is it a new thing? It's called oh, I think our category is called online entertainment. Mm. It's nice to know we're entertaining sometimes. Mm. Yeah, that's what we're going for. So it's good that they came across. One of the others up there is a is a car show. I think one's a, a personal trainer of some kind. So. It's gonna. It's one of those ones that's really, really easy to compare and go. Yes, yes. Yeah, obviously yeah. this is the, <laughs> is the obvious most entertaining. Yeah. Well, I mean, I imagine there'll be some sort of applause meter mm. in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, of like, course. Just like at the Oscars. How yeah. else do you choose things? The Oscars. Sorry, what's that? What's that? That's like the American NZDs. Okay. Oh. Does that make sense? Yeah, Americans got an NZD. Yeah. Well, they're trying. Yeah, well. Good yeah. luck to them. Yeah, I know. It's a bit cute, isn't it? Yeah. Cool. Well, good for America. And good for us. <laughs> it's nice to be thought of anyway. Yeah. Um, so, Jeez, we talked about that for way too long. <laughs> Can you edit that down? Uh, absolutely not. Don't want it to sound like we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> But I've bought a mansion. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. There's money with this, yes? yes? There's a cash prize. Oh, great. <laughs> Is it in the millions? Oh, I hope so, for your sake. Yeah, me too, because I am in a lot of debt. <laughs> <laughs> Now, so Book Cheat is actually a spin-off of Do Go On, mm-hmm. and this week's episode is a true spin-off of Do Go On, because recently it was the month of October, but in the world of Do Go On, that's called Blocktober, or Blockbuster-tober, mm-hmm. where we do our most requested topics. And our number one most requested topic for 2020, the one that got the most votes out of 100 topics that we put up, was about an American author, and that is H.P. Lovecraft, mm-hmm. and the... The full title is H.P. Lovecraft and the Cthulhu Mythos. So, we've already done a podcast on H.P. Lovecraft. I did a report on that. Do you remember much? <laughs> Thank you. No. It was last week. Yeah. <laughs> I remember like... Bits. I remember he was a it was a tough life. Yeah. And he was a racist. Yes. And... Yeah, these are the two, these are the two and takeaways. And he had lots of phobias. Lots of phobias. That's right. Yeah. And everyone around him, he had a lot of... Suffering around, a lot of people died before their time around yep. him, including him. I think. Yeah. And he got married, and then she moved away, and he just moved in with his aunties and never saw his wife again. Because they were racist against his wife. Yes, as was he, but he still married her. Mm. Yes. Interesting guy. They were like an, another level of racist against him, and he's famously racist. Yeah. So they're very famously racist. Is that about right, Dave? Yeah, we that's about. Right. So that's right. But if you want to hear the whole episode, we talked about it for about an hour and a half. Spoilers. Uh, with a few more <laughs> facts and figures thrown in for good measure. Uh, and I said, just to give an idea of the Cthulhu mythos, which is the name of the fictional universe that lots of his stories were set in, and uh, later on that they were dubbed the Cthulhu mythos. Uh, just to give people a better idea, I, th- I said I'll do an episode of Book Cheat on one of his stories, and that is what we're here to do today. I'm going to tell you all about his story, The Call of Cthulhu. Ah, from the mythos. Yes. Yeah. It's so good to be back here uh, talking to the book chooks. Wait, are we, I forget, are we book chooks to be on the show or the listeners the book chooks? Are you like the mama hen? Yeah, I think I, I am the, I'm the biggest book chook. Right. But I say hello, book chooks. Right, yeah, great. Uh, and book I just chookins. wanted to, the book chooks out there listening at home to know 
that Jess and I both noticed that David's looking buff. Yeah. So your mother hen is cock of the walk, baby. <laughs> I love that. Jess said, you're looking buff because we haven't seen each other face to face in many months. And I said, how? <laughs> yeah. He takes a compliment well out, Dave. Because <laughs> like, if I'd been like, well, actually, I've been uh, doing some chin-ups in isolation. Yeah. I've done nothing. Yeah. Well, it's working I've for you. I've done less than usual. Keep it up. And I've put on muscle. It's working. Maybe all I need to do is stay still. Yeah. Yeah. Let that your body do the work. Yeah, yeah. I'm working out right now. Yeah, and you are nailing it, my friend. So, thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> the Call of Cthulhu. Uh, people suggest these books, and a few people have suggested this specific Lovecraft tale. And thank you very much to Alex Giordano from Canada, Brandon Humphreys, also from Canada, Sam Jones from the UK, Carter J. Jarvis from the UK, and also from the UK, Oliver Petter Platt. The OPP. The OPP. Rolls off the tongue, Oliver Petterplatt. That's Love that. great. So thanks to those people, and you can suggest a book at any time. There's a link in the description of this episode. So The Call of Cthulhu is a short story or novella written by American horror author H.P. Lovecraft, first published in the pulp magazine Weird Tales mm. in 1928. And let me tell you, this fits the brief. It's a bit weird, isn't it? It's a weird it? tale. A bit bloody kooky, oh, is yeah. it? Oh, it's a bit odd. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, weird, eh? Oh, all right. <laughs> you got my attention. I'm listening. Okay. Uh, as we said before, if you want to hear more about the life of the writer and the stories uh, that since, if, since his death have been labelled as the shared universe called the Cthulhu Mythos, check out the episode of Dugo on 262. But this story is one of the earliest in the so-called Cthulhu Mythos, which gets its name from this story. Okay. But it's not the earliest. It's one of the earliest. Yeah, it's it's probably the the earliest important one. Gotcha. Okay. Everything else before that, trash. Throw it out. Get not out of canon. here. No. You are not important. No. Put it in the canon. Fire it away. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to hear about it. Into the sun. Yeah. All right. Wow. I've always wanted to fire something into the sun. Yeah. This feels like the perfect opportunity. If yeah. I go first, can you fire me into the sun? If you, oh, sorry, if you die first. Yeah. I thought you meant if you shot something into the sun first, <laughs> then we could. Yeah, I, uh, I want to go up and like, see what happens. <laughs> That's kind of my thing. Shoot me up behind it so I can see what happens. And then I'll come back down and report. We'll put a GoPro on my head. Oh, that, yeah, that's a great no, idea. No, I mean if I'm D-E-D dead. Oh. Okay. Okay. It's one of my English teachers used to say. D-E-D dead. And that, the... A lot of the girls in my class did not get that she was joking. Like that's that, not how you spell it. Is that a Simpsons bit? No. I doubt she was quoting Simpsons, but it could have been something. She was doing her own take on the SMRT. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> S-M-E-T. <laughs> anyway. Stuff. Uh, so this is uh, it's a short story in three parts, all with titles. Part one is The Horror in Clay. Oh. He's got a phobia of, of the claymation. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, just to give you a feel for the, the words of Lovecraft, this is the opening line. The most merciful thing in the world, I think, is the inability of the human mind to correlate all its contents. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity, and it was not meant that we should voyage far. Wow. End quote. That is bleak. <laughs> that is very bleak. <laughs> So basically, you're not meant to understand all these things. Mm. He's going to tell you these th- some things that you shouldn't understand. Okay. Do you think Here's I a list of things you shouldn't understand. 
But what if I do understand any of it? It's unlikely, but you never know. Have a go. I'll give it Feels a crack. Feels like a burden. I'm going to give it a crack. It though. is a burden to know this stuff. I really hope I'm just confused. Yeah. Well, the burden is uh, known and shared by and told to us by a narrator named Francis Wayland Thurston. That's a great. That's three great names. Such yeah. A good name. I feel like he's if this is one of his early stories, he's burnt three good names <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Francis Thurston mm. Wayland. Wayland. That's great. Yeah. So those were the words of FWT there, Francis Wayland Thurston, who recalls coming across some newspaper clippings and writings by his uncle George Gamel Angel. Oh, my God. You are just hitting it out of the park today, <laughs> HP. You can see why this is considered one of the most important <laughs> early ones. Before this, the names were like Chris Mann and yeah. <laughs> Johnny Pants. Yeah. He and came from a great world of names, though, didn't he? From memory? Oh, yeah. His, um, his, gra- his grandfather, who's very important in his life, first name was Whipple. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. Yeah. Whipple. Whipple. That's <laughs> 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 the best. <laughs> He sounds delicious. <laughs> so, uh, George Gamel Angle, uh, full title is Professor Emeritus of Semitic Languages in Brown University, Providence, Rhode Island. Now, we talked about this on the Lovecraft episode, but Lovecraft was one of Rhode Island's most famous residents, and most of his mythos is set in, well, since his death has become one of the most famous, mm. is set in the New England area, and he... Dreamed of going to Brown University, but never made it there himself. Never made it down to Brown Town. Never got there. So sorry. I go to Brown Town regularly. <laughs> really? It's a beautiful place. Yeah. <laughs> Not beautiful for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Did we connect last time that HP is a brown source? Uh, we might have. We <laughs> definitely talked about old it. I don't know <laughs> if we connected it to the university. All right, we, yeah, exactly. We mentioned... L- Brown University, we mentioned Brown <laughs> HP source. source, but you brought it together there. It was right in front of us all I along. Mean, yeah. Is that the real Cthulhu mythos? Yeah, we solved it. <laughs> so, he's come across newspaper clippings and an, an article and writings from his uncle. Our narrator has come across these newspaper clippings and writing and pieced together a story that he hopes no one else will be able to. Oh. He it's thinks the... Selfish? Pro- <laughs> yeah. Mine, but my story. He's like, I don't, I don't think anyone should ever be able to understand what I understand. But here is a story <laughs> explaining what I understand. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, your actions speak louder than words, yeah. mate. So he thinks the professor, his uncle, also probably wanted to destroy these notes and keep the story secret, but that he died suddenly. He so died with a, a match in his hands, yeah. trying to burn him. Oh! <laughs> And you're like, oh, died suddenly. He must have been pretty young then. Want to guess how old this man who planned to destroy this evidence if he wasn't cut down in his prime? 90. <laughs> 92. Yes. He was 92. Uh, yes. <laughs> so young. <laughs> so he'd suffered a suspicious death, having died after being jostled by a sailor late at night. Jostled. Honestly, only people in their 90s die from being jostled. <laughs> by a sailor. <laughs> Jostled. Sounds like a euphemism, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll jostle, jostle a sailor or two in my day. <laughs> Sounds like something's gone horribly wrong. There you go. You know, if you die, died doing what he loved, <laughs> having a jostle, oh having a jostle, jostle. Hey? <laughs> having a cheeky jostle. 
So the writer notes, physicians were unable to find any visible disorder, but concluded, after perplexed debate, that some obscure lesion of the heart, induced by the brisk ascent of so steep a hill by so elderly a man, was responsible for the end. He walked up a hill. <laughs> yeah. Just go, say yeah, he got wow. a bit tired. Yeah. He's old, he, went, he walked up a hill, his, heart, his ticker went, no, no. That's all he's got to say, but then he says, at this time I saw no reason to a descent from this dictum. Like I, th- I went along with the findings, but laterly I'm inclined to wonder, and more than wonder. Mate, he was 92, there's nothing suspicious <laughs> about it. Why don't we say laterly anymore? Yeah. It's a great word, isn't it? Love We've simplified that. it too much, because we just say later. Laterly. Laterly is great. Love that. It feels like if Poirot was on the case, this is the kind of thing where yeah. Jap would have come and go, Open and shut case, Poirot. <laughs> and then Poirot goes, mm, not so no fast, mon ami. Mm, I'm a little Grassells. Little Grassells, they are forming a plan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, his uncle died at 92. Great innings. Amazing innings. Especially in the 20s. Come on. I'd like to die two years earlier, but that's just me. 90. Fired into the sun at 90. (laughs) (laughs) That's the plan. If I'm still kicking at 90, let's fire me into the sun. Like uh, technology probably would have reached that sort of level by then. For sure. Yeah. So let's do it. That's what NASA's working on (laughs) flying corpses into the sun. (laughs) The cemeteries are so full. (laughs) What are we to do? There's nowhere to burn them up on Earth, there's nothing hot enough. But this way, all the you know the pollution that comes from burning something up only happens up there. Yeah. You know, mm. that's not going to affect us. Millions as far of as we know, just away. throwing our rubbish into the sun probably won't lead to anything negative happening. That should be fine. Sorry to call you our Thank rubbish. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> our rubbish. I mean, I was assuming, I was extrapolating that we would be chucking everything up there. Mm. Forgot to put that um, out there before <laughs> all we'd said so far is your body. <laughs> so your body is being essentially dumped into a space dumpster <laughs> and then fired into the sun. Yeah. What a way to go. Yeah, that'd be all right. I mean, I'm dead. Who cares? Yeah. You know, mm. I don't know I'm in a dumpster. Oh, yeah. I also don't know I'm being shot into the sun. <laughs> oh. hmm. But you know you're going to be. We can yeah. just lie and tell you you are. Yeah. You happy Lie to me. <laughs> Are you okay? We just yeah. like we're gonna shoot you into the sun. Yeah, that'd be nice. God, it'd be impressive if Matt's still alive then. <laughs> Good luck. Come this far. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, his uncle died, and an narrator is the sole surviving family member. So, as the executor of the old prof's will, and going through it, he found a mysterious box. Ooh, that he couldn't open. I love a mysterious box. Ooh. Eventually, he found a key on his uncle's ring that he always carried. In his pocket. A key, key on his uncle's... Oh, like a okay. key ring. Right. Mm. Yeah. yeah just we assume, both figure that out at the same time? Yeah, you assume yeah. fingering. Yeah, and I thought that's <laughs> a stupid yeah. place to hang a I key. Always, I always assume fingering as well. Yeah. <laughs> so you say ring, you go, oh, your grandfather's ring, yeah, on his finger. Your grandfather's yeah. fingering. Yeah. yeah. Or on his... Yeah, otherwise you say key ring. Yeah. What, is on his H-P toe ring? They had lat- laterally and key ring. Yeah. That's the difference in the, in the, in the world. So very secretive, basically. He's right. found the way to open this box, something that he kept on his on his person at all times. Inside the box, the narrator found lots of newspaper clippings and ramblings, but also something very intriguing. A bas relief or small sculpture, which was a rough rectangle, less than an inch thick, and about five by six inches in area, obviously of modern origin. And it had some sort of writing on it. Okay. And um, if you're confused by the measurements there, it's nearly half a subway foot long by a 
half subway foot long. It's a decent size. So yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, picturing one half big sandwich. Yeah. By nearly one half. Big yeah, like you've taken a small bite out of it to, just to taste it. Yeah. And then it's about the thickness of like a thick jalapeno. Okay. You with me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, yes. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> oh, I'm with you all the way. This is uh, yeah, the most interesting thing you've said so far. Now I'm peckish. <laughs> well, it had some sort of writing on it, this mm. bass relief slash sculpture slash sandwich. You say Subway. some sort of writing. <laughs> yeah. And was it eat fresh? <laughs> <laughs> this is a quote. Above these apparent hieroglyphics, so that it's got hieroglyphics on it, was a figure of evident pictorial intent. Though its impressionistic execution forbade a very clear idea of its nature, it seemed to be a sort of monster or symbol representing a monster of form which only a diseased fancy could conceive. And he said it looks like an octopus, a dragon, and a human caricature all in one. Okay, well that's very confusing. Mm. An octopus, a human, and a dragon. Yeah, it's a weird match. Human, definitely the shittest of those three. Yeah, almost a waste. Yeah. You're also, pick three. Come on. There. also, it had rudimentary wings. Oh my god, it's got wings? Okay. Oh, it's like a dragon. Like a dragon. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. And then underneath this, it, it, accompanying the sculpture, was uh, written in clear letters. Cthulhu cult. Oh, cult. Oh, okay. like cult. Yeah, C-U-L-T. That kind of cult, yeah. So I'm guessing... Not cult. Oh. <laughs> Not probiotics. Yeah, no. So what are you guessing? So I'm just wondering, so is the cult followers, like human followers of the Cthulhu? Yes, or? that's what he's saying. Right. Yeah. Because it's like, I'm picturing, unless the human part of him is his handwriting hand. <laughs> Otherwise, I think, you know, dragons and octopus don't normally write. English words. Mm. No. Mm. Or any words. I don't know why I specified English. <laughs> they, 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 they know the Arabic alphabet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, there was a note saying a young sculptor called Henry Anthony Wilcox, everyone's got three names here, had come to the professor with the mysterious item, with the sculpture. Wilcox was known as a bit of a genius, but also quite eccentric. When asked about the sculpture, the young man had told the professor, it is new indeed, for I made it last night in a dream of strange cities. Okay, that oh doesn't my mean God. anything. So he's saying you Are made they all high? <laughs> yeah. He's saying you made it whilst asleep. Dave, is this how is this the kind of thing where everyone kinda talked like this in nineteen twenty eight and languages has changed, or is this guy writing highfalutin on purpose? A bit of falutin. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah. Because, you know, Shakespeare is a little bit like they talked back then, right? Language has changed. But this is pretty recent. And he's, every every sentence is so flowery. It is. And yeah. I'm loving it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I hoped, uh, I really do hope that he just spoke like this day to day. Not that he really went out and he didn't spoke go to out anyone. Much. And uh, that's evident in this writing. <laughs> yeah. So there'd been an earthquake the night before when he apparently in his sleep made the sculpture. Okay. And Wilcox had gone to bed and dreamt of a mysterious city dripping with green ooze. Hieroglyphics had covered the walls and pillars, and Wilcox sensed a voice telling him, Cthulhu <laughs> It's a F-H-T-A-G-N. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Can I also just ask, would you agree that green is the ideal colour of ooze? 
Yeah, it's got to be green. It's got to be green. Ooze. Maybe yellow at a pinch, but green is Like the black? Ugh. But purple yeah. ooze? Yeah, uh, I think the yeah. secret of the ooze for me is... Is that green? Keep it green. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Keep it simple. I know you're going to want to reinvent the wheel with this. Yeah. Uh, you're coming up with a new line of ooze. Well, let me tell you, there's a reason green works. Yeah. At most, if you want to update a little bit, put some glitter in it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So spots of other things in green. Yeah. yeah. You could have some purple glitter mm. in there for sure. For sure. What about brown ooze? That's no. <laughs> that's someone else. Okay, poos. <laughs> that's Secret no of the poos. <laughs> yeah, just call a plumber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you got Secret th- of the poos is uh, twisties and coke. That'll firm you right up because <laughs> it shouldn't be it shouldn't be in that formation, Dave. <laughs> So, this guy's come to him and said, I had a dream, yeah. uh, I dreamt of this city, I could hear the word Cthulhu being said in my mind, and now I've, I've sculpted this, what is going on? The professor started researching and began to think that this Wilcox sculptor was part of a cult. Okay. But he claimed he wasn't, and he kept the professor informed of his dreams that for a period continued to have similar imagery. God, is there anything more tedious than someone just telling you about their dreams? <laughs> it happens to me every morning. <laughs> and every morning it's not that interesting. <laughs> Are there recurring dreams? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Right. The fun thing about this is this is a fictional guy yeah. who's telling him about his fictional dreams. and. This is what HP's come up with, yeah. a guy having dreams. Yeah, and telling someone else about it. Well, the other thing, so the guy kept telling him about his dreams. The other thing our narrator found in the box was correspondence between the professor and his friends about their dreams during the same period. <laughs> oh. So he basically sent out a survey about, hey, what have you been dreaming about recently? Yeah, right. he's a fun friend. And yeah. he mostly heard back from poets and artists, you know, people without jobs. <laughs> the time Nothing better to go thank you so much for asking actually this is what I'm dreaming about last night I, I, I got an easy bake oven <laughs> and they all my teeth fell out <laughs> the original dream team <laughs> which was lame yeah <laughs> it was lame of them so to do so dumb I really hate that they came up with that yuck <laughs> they suck <laughs> we could have come up with something better we, we won't yeah. we won't I like, won't I won't do it Dave's got a podcast to do but yeah. I'm just saying and we po- I mean this book's already been written but yeah, if so. you gave me the chance I'd come up with something way better than that <laughs> So and the in intensity of the dreams were apparently he could graph that they were stronger during the period of the the sculptor's delirium. Yeah. So it was almost like something was going on collectively, like people having these weird dreams at the same time. Right. Now we're getting somewhere. Mm. Yeah. Is that happening to you? You know, are you waking up to those every morning, well, Jess? I, I haven't sent out a chain email <laughs> to anybody saying, hey, tell me about your dreams. Any poets or anyone out yeah, there? Anybody, wanna let me know about this. Did you have a bit bored? Did you dream that you played in the Toyota AFL Grand Final <laughs> last weekend? Because <laughs> someone I know did. <laughs> Won't bloody shut up yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how strong the sponsorship is in his dreams. <laughs> yeah, it's just that there's like the Coke sign everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> he, he wakes up and says, "Babe, I feel like a Coke." <laughs> <laughs> like you have, you've okay. never had a Coke, but and it's eight a.m. <laughs> But yeah, all right. I dreamt I won the Norm Smith, so I deserve a coat. <laughs> yeah, deserve whatever I want. There was also a number of press cuttings that touched on cases of panic, mania, and eccentricity during the given period. 
All mysterious things that Fox Mulder would no doubt dub X-Files tell Scully an absolutely insane theory that tie them all together and somehow be absolutely right. And she would still say, I don't think that's it. I don't know, Mulder. And also she'd get kidnapped six or seven times. Impregnated by an alien. I don't know, Mulder. I don't know, Mulder. (laughs) When will she learn to trust him? Just trust him. Trust herself. She must know deep down. Yeah. She had an alien baby, I think, didn't she? Yeah. Something like that. William. Oh, she named him. <laughs> Strange. Yeah, it's uh, not, you know, the alien parent didn't have much of a say in the name. <laughs> Bleep blob. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with William. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yep. Bleep blob for a girl, William for a boy, okay? Fair deal. Fair deal. No, it's a boy. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, so we're, we're told there were lots of these clippings about mysterious X-Files, but we only get a couple of examples, which is, quote, a dispatch from California describes a colony as donning white robes en masse for some glorious fulfillment, which never arrived, whilst items from India speak guardedly of secret native unrest toward the end of March 22nd to 23. And there's all these different examples from around the world. And it's like, oh, why was he piecing those things together? Does that have anything to do with these weird dreams? And that is the end of part one. Oh. Wow. I love that. I love if you're going weird things happening in this short amount of time anywhere in the whole world, I reckon you're going to find some. Yeah. Whatever time period. But like Mulder, I assume this is going to actually all add up to something. <gasps> oh, it'd be real fun if the book ends with, honestly, just a lot of coincidences. Yeah, yeah crazy, yeah, huh? Anyway. Really. I mean, he was 92. He was absolutely <laughs> batshit. <laughs> <laughs> but I also like that it's, uh, because it's a short story, it's just like, you, the word economy wise, you don't have time to throw anything in there that isn't relevant. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's That's all right, going to come together. This was in a magazine. It can't be yeah. Ah, oh, great. I also love that. I love it short. I got a short tangent span. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> uh, part two: the tale of Inspector Lagrasse. Ooh. Ooh, love that. Inspector Lagrasse. Yeah. He's That's a landscaper. French for. <laughs> <laughs> I come over. I inspect <laughs> Lagrasse. <laughs> Chop a Lagrasse. <laughs> I saw a Lagrasse if you don't have a Lagrasse. <laughs> I also do La Flowers. Yeah. If you don't pay, I'll put salt on the grass and nothing will ever grow again. <laughs> uh, so this is the quote that opens it. The older matters which had made the sculptor's dream and bas relief so significant to my uncle formed the subject of the second half of his long manuscript. End quote. So once before... It appears Professor Angle had seen the hellish outlines of the nameless monstrosity and puzzled over unknown hieroglyphics and heard the ominous syllables which can be only rendered as Cthulhu back in 1908. So about 20 years earlier, he'd come across this creature before. This occurred at the American Archaeological Society annual meeting in St. Louis. He was approached by John Raymond Lagrasse. (laughs) Came over with a whippersnipper. (laughs) You got any lagrass you need tending? <laughs> he was an inspector of police. And grass. <laughs> <laughs> He's only a constable of grass. <laughs> He's waiting to get up there. He'll get there. He'll command. get there. You know, where there's a will, there's a way. And he's passionate. His reason for being there, a grotesque, repulsive, and apparently very ancient stone statuette whose origin he was at a loss to determine. He'd found the statuette in a raid a few months earlier from a supposed voodoo ceremony in New Orleans. 
They knew they'd stumbled onto a dark cult, but its members gave no information. But they did have this sculpture which attracted all the archaeologists at the meeting They and they passed it around and it seemed to have some sort of weird power. Like They're all like very fascinated by it. Mm. It represented a monster of vaguely anthropoid outline but with an octopus-like head whose face was a mass of feelers, a scaly, rubbery-looking body, prodigious claws on hind and forefeet and a long... And long, narrow wings behind. Cannot picture it no, at all. No, I'm picturing that. No. I mean, you lost me at anthropod. Yeah. Well, that's the human part, is it? Yeah, so it's like the... Like a, a biped sort of thing. <laughs> like, like what, is that? what is that? I don't know. I'm not fully sure what it means. <laughs> that's just like a humanoid thing, is it? Yeah, so it's, it's like a humanoid, but then it's got like a, an octopus head. And big wings. Okay. I'm almost picturing the... And claws. A movie I've never seen, but the bad guy in one of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh That's the Kraken, probably. Oh. Is he from Cthulhu? No. But mm. there are similarities. <laughs> okay. Keep that picture in your head then. That'll I do. I think you're close enough, yeah. Yeah. That's That'll right. do. <laughs> No one oh, can tell wings. you. No one can see what you're imagining, so therefore, no one can tell you you're wrong. That's the beauty so of it. So thankful that they can't. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's mostly grass for me. It's, it's monkeys, <laughs> uh, monkey and the symbols. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so anthropod? <laughs> Is that what, even what you said? It was yeah, anthropoid. Something? Anthropoid. Hey, anthropoid. <laughs> I'm anthropoid in here. <laughs> 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 and then. Octopus's head as a sort of like a <laughs> octopus head with massive feelers, yeah. and then overall it's like rubbery looking. But then it's got claws on its feet and small narrow wings behind it. Yeah, it sounds pretty silly. It sounds hot. Is it single? If this is a monster, maybe this is all it needed. Just a bit of positive feedback. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Everyone's always shrieking at it. Yeah. But maybe someone just needed to. <laughs> You're saying it's just, it's just horny. I've, not necessarily horny, but maybe it's just lashing out at a world that doesn't understand it. Yeah, maybe it was just trying to order a, a coffee. Yeah, and nobody would take their order, yeah. and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I want a cup of joe." Yeah, someone needed to know that its appearance is not its value. Mm. That's true. Mm. Just what's inside the Cthulhu that counts? Are you crying? No. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, are we still talking about yeah. the Cthulhu? <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, I mean, you you look emotional, but that doesn't mean maybe you've, maybe you've got tears in your eyes, and that looks like they're on my face because <laughs> you're looking through your eyes of tears. But <laughs> yeah, does it look like I've got really big tears on my face? <laughs> yeah, because that's actually. just the tears on your face. Oh, okay. I'm you're sorry. You're looking; they're up close to you, and it's a perspective trick. I'm that's all. Crying. I'm not bawling. Really big tears. <laughs> Out of my whole head. <laughs> you are. It's classic anthropoid behaviour. <laughs> so they're passing around this little statuette and they knew it's old but had no idea where it came from. Here were the world's experts in archaeology and not a single one of them had any idea what the symbols along the sculpture could mean. That is, except for one man, Professor William Channing Webb. Oh, my God. Is this a new guy? Willie yeah. Webb. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it really felt like it was going to be, you know, the guy we introduced yeah. you to yeah. before. Sorry. A new guy. 
He stepped forward and said that 48 years earlier, he had been on a tour of Greenland and had come across an Inuit tribe that seemed to practice devil worship and sacrifices not commonplace for that part of the world. They danced around a figure that looked similar to what the police officer was showing the group. Mm. 48 years earlier. This film's going to have so many Hollywood leads. Yes. Oh, yeah. So far, we've got DiCaprio. Yep, he's in Gyllenhaal. Oh, wow, He's yeah. in there. Uh, Cooper. Got... Yeah. Bradley. Uh, Will Grass, can he be Gerard Depardieu? Oh, yes, yeah, I insist. Not many women. In fact, none. Yeah. Here yet. Yeah, what's up? Big old boys fest. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't know the gender of the Cthulhu. That's true. That's right. Also, main character was secretly Meryl Streep all along. <laughs> yes, Meryl. So, she's that good. That's really she good. She's that good. So the archaeologists and the police officers swapped stories about the Inuits and New Orleans voodoo practices and, and discovered that they both chanted the same exact phrase, oh. which I cannot pronounce to you. Sure. It is. The only word I can pronounce in there is Cthulhu, and that's in the middle of it. Have a quick go there, Dave. Fing Nafa Cthulhu Riley Wagon Nagel Fackerton. Yeah, okay. I mean, that. I was just double checking. Yeah, obviously you'd remember that and yeah. know that someone else <laughs> is doing the same chant. Exact one, exactly it. <laughs> yeah. They said I heard it. It was the exact same. <laughs> Riley. I heard Fackerton. that 48 years yeah, ago. I heard it. In exact same. Yeah, and I thought, hmm, I'll always remember that. That means something to me, each bit of that. Yeah. Well, Inspector Grass was also told by one of the men that he arrested what it means, and it translates into English as, In his house at Riley, dead, Cthulhu waits dreaming. Okay. Mm. Wait, what language is that translating from? Oh, from whatever the, they were chanting. He from the Cthulhu know, language. We're not sure what the language right. is, but he asked one of the, these voodoo people that he thought they were practicing voodoo, what does that mean? And they said, in this... In his house at R- Riley, yeah, dead. I don't know what that word is. It's also, it's, it turns out to be a city. Uh, de- uh, Cthulhu waits dreaming. Okay. So, yeah. He then explained what happened that day um, on the swamps of New Orleans. The police had been called after several children in the local community had disappeared in the area. Oh, really? As Lagrasse, the cop, and 19 other men entered the forest, they heard terrible otherworldly noises and also, also that Cthulhu chant. Then they saw where the noise was coming from. Quote, Four of them reeled, one fainted, and two were shaken into a frantic cry, which the mad cacophony of the orgy fortunately deadened. Oh, okay. <laughs> Things just hotted up. Lagrasse dashed swamp water on, on the face of the fainting men, and all stood trembling and nearly hypnotized with horror. I just feel bad because I did like an eyebrow raise to Matt, and now I feel creepy. <laughs> <laughs> But okay. No, I felt right. <laughs> In context. <laughs> well, we're talking about an orgy. Yeah, we're talking about a weird <laughs> octopus orgy or whatever's going on yeah. here. Oh, yeah. Well, they saw a small island with a monolith in the middle with a statue on top of it, surrounded by a bonfire and dead bodies of the disappeared locals. Oh, so there's no. some sort of ceremony happening. All the while, others were dancing around and chanting the Cthulhu chant. The police officers descended on them, guns drawn, and there was a fight in which five of the worshippers died. But most of them were eventually arrested, and their custom was explained by a man named Castro. And this is a long paragraph, but it sort of explains their beliefs. And that is, they worshipped, so they said, the great old ones who lived ages before there were any men and who came to the young world out of the sky. 
Those old ones were gone now, inside the earth and under the sea, but their dead bodies had told their secrets and dreams to the first men, who formed a cult which had never died. This was that cult, and the prisoners said it, was, it had always existed and would always exist, hidden in distant washes and dark places all over the world, until the time came when the great priest Cthulhu, from his dark house in the mighty city of Riley, under the waters, should rise and bring the earth again beneath his sway. Okay. So, yeah. Ryle, so Cthulhu lives under the sea. Under the sea. Mm. Uh, it's better wet down where it's wetter. Yeah. Take it from me. <laughs> but apparently, <laughs> it's coming back one day. Okay. Yeah, right. So, it's just classic. This is just a cl- another classic religion. It just sounds like most religions have some story yeah, like this. Some sort of swamp monster is ready to rise up. Or other. You know, it's not always a swamp monster. Usually. But sometimes, <laughs> yeah, ninety-eight some, percent of world's religions. Sometimes it's something else. But yeah, no, that's 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 cool. All right, yeah, because until he uh, was coming back, I'm like, this is lame. Imagine your cult being built around a dead thing's dreams. Yuck. But oh, he's coming back, At and he's some undisclosed time. Yeah. That's right, from his dark house and in Riley, yeah. a real place. Maybe he's just got a migraine. Needs to go lie down in a dark house oh. for a bit. Sometimes that's all you can do. Been there. And time, you know, we didn't like it's it's time might be different. You know, a fly lives its whole life in a day. Yeah. Whereas, you know, for that octopus, woman, man, or whatever, we don't know, dragon. Uh, yeah, maybe one day is one second. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. We don't know. We don't know. I don't know. Dave, we we don't know. There's no way we can find out, Dave, unless you've got a direct line to this beast. (laughs) I do. 1-800-Cthulhu. Oh. Oh, Get on the blog. Well, it costs $7.95 a minute. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, no. And it's a minute their time, so it's a year. Oh, my God. (laughs) Of our time. It's going to (laughs) cost $280,000. Yeah, that's bad because they do that. (laughs) That adds up pretty quick. So having now read two, so remember this is this guy has discovered the box, and this is another story that's in there. Yeah, right. Yeah. So having now read two accounts through his uncle's writing, our narrator Thurston was intrigued. He visited Wilcox, who's the sculptor mm-hmm. that had been having the weird dreams at the start of the story, and had sculpted the thing in his dream. And then he visited Lagrasse, the police officer in New Orleans, sort of to corroborate this story. And then he thought he was onto something. He's like, I think my uncle was onto a secret religion here. And he says, my attitude was still one of absolute materialism, as I wish it still were. But he was now starting to believe. Wow. Isn't it funny, like, just the idea of being onto a secret religion? It's like, like let Who him cares? be. Who cares? Yeah. Well, you don't need to know. Yeah. they If they want it to be a secret, just leave, leave him be. Oh, it's going to be a monster coming to take over the world? Oh, maybe we should ask a few more questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Okay. Fair enough. Do you have a date? <laughs> He writes, One thing I began to suspect, and which now I fear I know, is that my uncle's death was far from natural. He's 92. And he walked up a hill. I think he died because he knew too much, or because he was likely to learn too much. Whether I shall go as he did remains to be seen, for I have now learnt as much. Mate, he was 92. You have not learnt as much. You've just read some of his notes. Mm -hmm. He still knew more than you. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't write down everything he ever knew. Okay. Or That's, did he? That would be so tedious. Did it say that at the top? Here's everything I've ever known. <laughs> Here's every thought I've ever had. 
Oh, is that salt? Hang on, I'll just <laughs> taste it. No, nah, that's the sugar bowl. So the <laughs> other one must be salt. Some of our thoughts are very dull. Yeah, but I promise I'm writing them all down, including <laughs> these. It's full stream of consciousness yeah. for like... His whole life. <laughs> yeah. This is incredibly... Well, that is basically what Lovecraft did. Because if you remember, uh, I told you about that he wrote 100,000 letters yes. in his life. And he found that his best way of communicating. It was like mm. it was like 13 letters a day or something. Well, that, yeah, if I'd averaged it out, he wrote yeah. that. Wow, I didn't realise 13. That's, that's badass. <laughs> <laughs> that's a horror man for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. well, that is the end of part two. Oh, we're nearing the end and I still don't follow. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, yeah, okay. Now, go on. Uh, well, let me just tell you that uh, this week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Audible, of course, being the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks. I'm talking bestsellers, memoirs, news, business, self-development, and, of course, classic literature. If you're an Audible member like I am, you get a credit every month to pick any title, any of those news, business, self-development stuff, plus two Audible originals, and you can listen to that anywhere you listen to this podcast, which I assume is underwater. Is that true? (laughs) That is true. There is heaps of HP Lovecraft on there, including three different versions of the story we're covering, The Call of Cthulhu. The one I'd suggest is Call of Cthulhu and Other Stories, narrated by William Roberts. You get the story we're talking about this week and many more. Some of them are just standalone. You want bang for your buck for your month. Mm. And William Roberts' soothing voice. Okay, great. It's a ter- who's who's ter- William Roberts again? Terrifying story, but a be- just has a beautiful voice. Great. I'm, a, I'm also on the Audible train. And it's it's they also they do free ones. You, I got a message today, oh, this one's free this month. I'm like, I'll take it. I might listen to that down the track. I've been into, you didn't ask, but I'm answering anyway. <laughs> I've been listening to, I think it was a free one a few months ago, Bill Bryson's A Small History of Nearly Everything or mm-hmm. something like that. I've been fascinated. I've been loving it. And I feel like it might be read by someone who, it's not read by Bill Bryson. It's read by maybe someone who's got a name like <laughs> Bry- the Bryson guy Bill. you just said. What was the guy you said? William Roberts. William Roberts. It might even be him. Oh, the, i got to tell you this voice. It's soothing. Whoever it is has got a great voice anyway. The voice puts you to sleep, but then the subject matter keeps you awake forever. Yeah, great. Because it is horrifying. So if you'd like to get started with Audible, you can go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. One more time, go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500 and get started today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now it's time for part three, the final part. The final countdown. And that title of part three is... The final countdown. The final countdown in brackets. The do madness. Do do do. Oh. <laughs> 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 Illusions. Uh, part three. The madness from the sea. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> like that? 
No, I don't. Chapter three, the madness from the sea. <laughs> <laughs> and this, the audible version of this that I like to read is read by a hobgoblin. <laughs> <laughs> but C is spelled S-double-E. Yeah. The she? The madness from the sea. See you. <laughs> See me. <laughs> See me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like... What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, looking at you going, can I go now? Yeah, sorry, I'm huh? just trying to get past. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, you've got my keys, can I have them? Ooh, <laughs> answer me this riddles three. Can I just have my keys? I'm running late for an appointment. <laughs> I don't know who you are. <laughs> Why are you in my apartment? <laughs> get the hell Honestly, out. you've been a bit of a pest, mate. <laughs> I'm sorry, just trying to make a, an impression, see? <laughs> oh, speaking of impressions. <laughs> <laughs> he's just really he's just trying to he's just trying to make a friend <laughs> I'm sorry I don't get out alone <laughs> what are you doing at three perhaps coffee you and me <laughs> no who has coffee at three no, o'clock come on, I won't sleep all night <laughs> so in this final part our narrator Thurston had mostly given up on investigating what his uncle had dubbed the Cthulhu cult when one day Completely by chance, he spied a newspaper that his friend was using to store an exhibit for a museum. He's got lots of friends that, that are archaeologists. Yeah, so he's right. like, oh, what's that on the shelf? Just something was wrapped up in a newspaper. It just caught his eye. It was from a newspaper called The Sydney Bulletin, Ooh. an Australian publication. <gasps> we had we're publications <laughs> in 1928? Wow. We're from Sydney. I mean, we're from Australia. We're not from Sydney. We're not from Sydney. No. It's a slightly different, it's like a sunny Melbourne, yeah. for those who don't know. Oh, okay. With a beautiful bay. Gorgeous. Harbour. Yeah. Harbour. Uh, and an image really caught his eye in the in the, the clipping. It said, well, this is what it says to describe it. The picture was half-tone, cut of a hideous stone image, almost identical with that which Legrasse had found in the swamp. So he's like, I recognise that. In Australia. Yeah. And the article read... Mystery derelict found at sea. <laughs> this is feeling a bit goblin again. <laughs> <laughs> Mystery derelict found at sea. <laughs> so, and this is, uh, I mean, they don't write them like this anymore. This is, this is good stuff. Jess, you've studied journalism. Uh-huh. What do you think about this? Okay. Vigilant arrives with helpless armed New Zealand yacht in tow. One survivor and dead man found aboard. Well, there's your first problem. If it bleeds, it leads. One man is dead and another has survived. That's right, that's how that should okay, open. Good stuff. Tale of desperate battle and deaths at sea. Yeah. Should have opened with that. That sounds Absolutely, good. Yes. Should have deaths at sea well, that's, and desperate battle. That's the battle. subheading right there. Yeah. Mm. Rescued seaman refuses particulars of strange experience. Odd idol found in his possession. Inquiry to follow. Stop. It does sound like a stop, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. You've been stop. very efficient with words here. Yeah. That's terrible. So what has happened there is a yacht called the Alert had been towed into Darling Harbour in Sydney. Had one survivor who was, quote, clutching a horrible stone idol of unknown origin about a foot in height, regarding whose nature authorities at Sydney University, the Royal Society and the Museum in College Street all profess complete bafflement and which the survivor says he found in the cabin of the yacht in a small carved shrine of common pattern. So he's found this, and now he's been towed into Sydney Harbour. The survivor was Gustav Johansson, 
a Norwegian man who told a crazy tale of piracy and slaughter. He'd been on another ship with 11 men when they got caught in a storm before encountering a yacht called The Alert. The Alert. Yeah. Not a great name for a yacht. Yeah, it's no, a weird I don't name for, for a boat. Mm. Maybe the stop sign. Oh, yeah. That's good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, it's yeah. a bit better. The give way. The yield. The yield. Oh, that's good. The alert. That sucks. The slippery one wet. Yes. It's probably true. That's good for a boat. Yeah. <laughs> that's something you don't think about boats. They're probably slippery when yeah. they're wet. They're slipping their way through the ocean. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if they're not you slipping. You don't think it. You're thinking about it's floating, but really, it's just it's slipping. slipping on top of the water. It's slipping. It's <laughs> 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 Imagine being a boat and you're doing that forever. Yeah. yeah. That <laughs> feeling of falling, like you're about to yeah. fall, that adrenaline. Oh, oh my God. Be exhausting. <laughs> What's going to happen? I'm a fraud. I don't know what I'm doing. It's <laughs> <laughs> trying to hang on to things, but there's nothing because yeah, they're nothing. on the ocean. Oh, my God. There's that's, nothing out that's there. That's a fun idea. <laughs> Slipping. <laughs> well, the alert was weaponized, and this yacht had opened fire, uh, opened fire on Johansson and his 11 crew for no reason. The what? ship that Johansson was on board began sinking after being shot below the waterline, but not before pulling alongside the yacht that was firing upon them, and they managed to bail on their ship and get onto the yacht as it was going down. Jump onto the... Where people the where people are shooting at yeah them. people are shooting at you and they it doesn't feel great no I wouldn't uh, I guess you don't have many options yeah good point but still out of principle I'd be like yeah. well fine yeah fine just then like down I just go going down with the ship <laughs> yeah. saluting as yeah. you're no I'm flipping them off oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just shot me down for no reason saluting <laughs> <laughs> for one finger salute we got to remember that this is the lone survivor's tale so right. can you trust this guy but Apparently, they jumped ship onto the ship that was attacking them. They had to kill the crew of the Alert, he says, as they outnumbered them so they were able to do so, although they did suffer three casualties of their own. So, Johansson and seven of his men survived, took over this new yacht. Right. They decided to continue on their journey to see why the Alert didn't want them in the area. They were like, that was weird that we got attacked here. Maybe we're onto something. And they found a small island Although this island was unmapped and completely unknown to sailors. Oh, it was Tasmania. (laughs) Well, it could have been. (laughs) Well, they made it onto the island where six of the eight men died. Straight away. Well, Johansson in the articles was cagey and didn't really say what happened to them, alluding to them falling in a rock chasm. We got there, they died. Stop asking questions about it. it, all right? It was chasm related, okay? So all six of them, it's like one slipped and another tried to help and then it was just like a dominoes thing. Mm. No, six separate chasms. Oh my God. You think we'd uh, stop walking in the dark, but we just kept going. (laughs) (laughs) The two survivors, including Johansson, got back on the yacht before being bashed by a storm and that's when they were rescued and taken into Darling Harbour. Although Johansson couldn't remember when his shipmate had died because they found Johansson alive in a dead body and there was no apparent cause of death. Quote, Probably due to excitement or exposure. You know when you die of excitement? Yeah, mm. that happens. Mm. Sometimes I'm close. <laughs> yeah. And I have to, I'm like, whoop, nearly died. Because I saw a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought about a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
So this storm, the earthquake in the USA I mentioned at the start of the story, multiple people having bad dreams and the sculptor making the image of Cthulhu in his sleep had all happened in the same time period. Oh. Around the world. What are the odds of that? What are the odds? What are the odds of things happening? Wow. Right now. like Okay, so right now we are sitting in a room doing a podcast. Imagine if, like, somewhere else in the world, something else was happening. What? Well, well, another podcast is being recorded no, at this very moment? No, just like anything else happening. Wow. While we're talking about weird stuff happening, imagine if someone out on a boat slipped. Slipping away. <laughs> well, that's, you guys are tripping me out right that's now. That's crazy. I'm scared. <laughs> so it's all very mysterious. Yes. That's what we're agreeing. Our yes. narrator Thurston was starting to put it all together. But he wanted to get more first hand info, so he travelled to Dunedin and New Zealand, where the yacht was originally from. Oh, I wonder if he attended the NZs. <laughs> yeah. It's the hottest ticket of the year. Yeah. Special guest. <laughs> Do you have any New Zealand listeners who will be annoyed that I don't know what their T V awards show is called? I can look it up for the end if you like. Yeah. Just just to stop you getting all that hate mail. What is that? They've got a comedy award. Is it called Billy Billy T or something? Yeah, the Billy T Award. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> that's the only one I know of, and also probably the NZs. <laughs> so he went to Dunedin to find out more about the ship. Although he didn't find out much about the so-called pirates, other than they seem to be part of a strange cult. Okay, now we're talking. They're the people that had opened fire on the on uh, the Norwegian guy's ship for no reason. So apparently they were cult members. So he left Dunedin. Then he went to Sydney and Circular Quay and visited the stone symbol, which had been uh, displayed in a museum at Hyde Park. Oh, okay. he's looked at a map for yeah, sure. Yeah, he's doing well. <laughs> huh? oh, oh, I've opened up the atlas. Don't there you worry about that. Oh, they've got a Hyde Park. <laughs> okay. He also found that Johansson, the sole survivor had sold his house in Sydney and returned to Norway after his hair had turned white from fear. Okay. Now, this this is the first thing that I reckon you go, this is real weird. Someone's hair changing colour instantly. That doesn't happen every day. No. Dave, does they say, does they say <laughs> it happened instantly? Or would it have been something that, say, happened over the period of, like, 20 years between the age of 50 and 70, for yeah, example. Got completely white in the last 20 years. And he's like, oh, I'm spooked. Yeah, he's like, hang on a second. My 92-year-old uncle also had white hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <gasps> Suspicious. He, he spoke to his hairdresser and asked them to slowly uh, slowly cut the dye out so that it was a gradual change yeah. so that no one realised that he'd been spooked. Yeah, but he's like, hang on. He dyed his hair blonde. He must have been having a midlife crisis <laughs> brought on by some sort of monster. Has to be fear. So our storyteller, he's like, well, like he, Johansson's left Sydney and gone to Norway. I've got to go meet him. So then he went to Norway, keeping in mind all of this travel, travel is by ship. So it would have taken forever. He's gone from America to New Zealand to Australia to Norway. Yeah, it's that's not like, the most direct route. That's too. like six months on a ship. Yeah. He found Sailor Johansson's wife who told him that her husband was dead and he died in mysterious circumstances. Fear. He was 98. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most uh, suspicious one so far. Quote, a bundle of papers fall- falling from an attic window had knocked him down. A bundle of paper. 
He must have been old if some yeah. papers knocked him over. Knocked me down with a feather. Two Lascar sailors at once helped him to his feet, but before the ambulance could reach him, he was dead. Paper cuts. Yeah, wow. So he, he got bled, up. He bled, bled out. out. <laughs> he got up after being hit by some paper. I mean, it could have been like a two-ton delivery of like ream paper or oh, something. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. It could have been like those um, real big pages, like in the, the, what do they call those huge books? Double elephants? Oh, yeah. Maybe it was a double elephant. elephant. Could have also been confetti. Oh, yeah. It was just tiny little, little circles of, of, paper. of uh, tissue paper. Oh, okay. So yeah, now that we're speculating, it could be... It could have been confetti. could have been I confetti. Mean, two tons of paper weighs the same as two tons of bricks, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I think you've been saying that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> that doesn't matter. How does that work? I don't know. Paper as heavy <laughs> as bricks? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, now I say it out loud, I feel like an idiot. <laughs> How does that work? I don't know. <laughs> but I've, I've, I've been told it does. Help. <laughs> Fuck, you need a lot of confetti for two tons worth, hey? Like a lot. So much confetti. What a way to go. Uh, That's like an Olympic opening ceremony yeah. worthy of confetti. Okay. Imagine shooting that into the sun. Yes. Now I want to be shot into the sun, but with some confetti, A please. ton of it. Wow, okay. This list we gets longer and longer. Cannons. We'll just hope Confetti you die cannons? first then. We're going to have to... Yeah, I do. I do. For, mostly for administration reasons. <laughs> I mean, well, this, this list, my God, I'm going to leave... I'm going to die first leaving Matt to deal with Jess and her death. All right. That seems reasonable. Yeah, just put me in the river. <laughs> <laughs> which one? Oh, and it ends up being like a bigger deal. Like, i got to <laughs> figure out which yeah, one. He wants to go to the one. Amazon. Yeah, like, yeah put me in the Amazon. Chuck me in the Tiber. <laughs> Gotta get a Rome, oh, for God's sake. So, Johansson had kept a notebook. This is the Norwegian guy. Yes. Bit of a diary. He'd written, in, 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 he'd written it in English, so his wife, who didn't speak English, couldn't read it. Classic. Right. Bit of a secret, you know? Dear diary. Dear diary. <laughs> My wife is such a bitch. <laughs> Just kidding. I love her so much. But I could never tell her that <laughs> because I'm a man in the 1920s. <laughs> But she was happy to share it with this stranger who'd come from sure. America. What if he was just writing really gross stuff in there? Oh, eh? Really, like, like really sexy novels or something. Yeah. What if he was just tracking his poos or something? <laughs> Secret <laughs> of the poos. And she's like, "Is there any information in this?" It's like, no. He's just he yeah. was quite regular. Wow. Did he get a lot of fibre? That's great. Wow. I mean, one day it was quite big, but that was the only thing. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. It seems like the day before he'd had a big meal. <laughs> He wrote it in all caps. Whoa, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> it's oh, huge. so big. That was a big shit. By, it was about as long as a half a subway foot long. <laughs> and about wow. the width <laughs> of, half of, of half a, a subway foot long. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It was a cube. <laughs> oh I shat a cube. How did it get out? I think I'm the first man in history to shit a cube. It was the thickness of a slice of jalapeno. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. So... In between the poo diary, it actually recalled <laughs> what happened on the voyage that had killed his shipmates. Yes, right. They'd been attacked by the yacht and taken it over. Remember that's what happened? They yeah. took it over. And then and then they kept going. The men sight a great stone pillar sticking out of the sea and come upon a coastline of mingled mud, ooze. <gasps> doesn't say what colour, but we can assume green, green. And weedy cyclopean masonry, which can be nothing less than the tangible substance of Earth's supreme terror, the nightmare corpse city of Riley, that was built in measureless eons behind history by the vast, loathsome shapes that seeped down dark from the stars. 
Thele. <laughs> Great Cthulhu. <laughs> and his hordes. Matt is he's trying to imagine it. I've broken his mind. I'm trying to watch. I'm watching Matt try to understand. I'm also not. But also, is, is your Hanson writing it like this? Or is this HP? This is HP. Well, this, this is, is the, this is Thurston recalling. Yeah. Because if this is Johansson and English is not his first language, my God, he is eloquent. He's, he's good. So eloquent that we don't understand. I don't get it. So basically, he's seen this city. Yeah. They've come across the city and there, there lay Great Cthulhu and his hordes hidden in green slimy vaults. There you go. Wow. He found Cthulhu. It says here, he had trouble describing the city. Mm. He had a crack. Aghast at the quote non-Euclidean geometry. Oh my god! <laughs> a thing we discussed in the Dugo One episode that was one of Lovecraft's many, many phobias was non-Euclidean geometry. And now this guy's seen it. He must be terrified. Yeah. Yeah. Packing his dacks. Oh my god. Day ten diarrhea that night. <laughs> <laughs> because of the non-Euclidean. Oh non-Euclidean. They soon realised that they'd opened a monstrously carven portal. They've opened a portal, people. Wow. Okay. Into this Riley city. How? Not a portal, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> How'd they open the portal? They didn't even know. Yeah, well, they just came across it and they're like, what the hell's going on here? Obviously, that's what the people on the, yeah. the cult members of the yacht were trying to. That's why they attacked him to try and be like, stay away from this area. Yeah. Right. You're, you're about to come across an ancient city. We don't want you to get harmed. <laughs> So we'll shoot you. We'll kill you. We'll shoot yeah, you on right. your boat. So this is a portal and that'll that goes through to some intergalactic thing. Well, into this deep dark city that's below the ocean type thing. Right. That's coming up. And then this is what happens next. Then they saw the thing. It was so scary that two men died of fright. <laughs> a mountain walked. That's how big this thing is. Whoa. It's the size of a mountain. The narrator writes, after... Vintillions of years. What? A word I'm sure probably doesn't exist. Great Cthulhu was loose again and ravening for delight. Three men were swept up by the flabby claws before anybody turned. So it's just killed two men. And two have died from fright. So five men are gone. Out of eight. It was huge. Johansson and the other man and one other man made it back to the boat. But Cthulhu slid into the water to chase after them. Looking back. The other man, Britain, went mad and eventually died one night in the cabin. Remember how he didn't describe... He was like, I don't know how any one of these men died. That's because he didn't want to say that a monster had killed them and that another man had died of insanity. Wow, okay. <laughs> so he's in the boat. Cthulhu's got in the water and it's swimming after them. It's like Thorpey gaining on them. <laughs> oh, God, if Thorpey's coming for you, you're fucked. Yeah, right. But, you know, those big torpedo feet... Mm. But Johansson knew that the monster could surely outrun them, so he decided to take a big, big chance. He threw the boat full steam into reverse and drove backwards towards Cthulhu in the water. He rammed the creature right in its head. Yeah, that's where you want to get him. Oh, yeah. Quote, there was a bursting as of an exploding bladder. Oh, he popped popped Cthulhu. Yeah. A slushy nastiness as of a cloven sunfish, a stench as of a thousand opened graves, and a sound that the chronicler could not even put on paper. Green stuff. Start to put sounds on paper. Yeah, it is. (laughs) I've tried. Plop. (laughs) (laughs) 
Green stuff flew everywhere. Yeah. Probably use. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like. The ship sailed on to safety, but Johansson saw that the creature was recombining. <gasps> so it was healing. Terminator 2 style. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's what they got. Is that your favourite Terminator? Oh, yeah. Am I remembering correctly? Yeah. Probably my favourite film of all time. That's, pretty, that's pretty wild. You've you got real individual taste. Your favourite Terminator is Terminator 2. Yeah. You mad dog. Crazy. <laughs> well, some people do love number one. Yeah, right. Yeah, but good. no one loves. No one would have any of the others as their favourite? Well, Terminator Salvation, you need to find Salvation, <laughs> if that's your opinion. <laughs> I haven't seen any of them. No, neither. Great. They sound great. Start with one, then go to two. Okay. It's conventional, but do it. You go okay. with the be- start at the beginning? Yep. So anyway, he's smashed into Cthulhu's head, exploded it. He's outrun him, luckily, but he's looked back and he can see that the creature is healing, so he knows that Cthulhu is not dead. But eventually, Johansson, the Norwegian sailor, was rescued. Our narrator telling us this whole story finishes by telling us that he's put Johansson's account into his uncle's tin box with the other documents in the sculpture, but he's now worried for his own safety. Quote, I have looked upon all the universe has to hold of horror, and even the skies of spring and the flowers of summer must ever afterward be poison to me. But I do not think my life will be long. As my uncle went, as Paul Johansson went, so I shall go. I know too much, and the cult still lives. He knows that, C- that Cthulhu lives on and that he may rise again one day. And the final line of this story is, quote, A time will come, but I must not and cannot think. Let me pray that, if I do not survive... This manuscript, my executors may put caution before audacity and see that it meets no other eye. Oh. <laughs> End book. <laughs> so he's like, I hope no one reads this. But it's like, well, we just read it. Yeah. Then you know. <gasps> you know too much. Yeah. So I may have inadvertently cursed myself and you and everyone listening to this hmm. are reading it out. I'm we sorry. didn't read it all though, so. Yeah, but only, I did. Only you've fully cursed. Oh, no. And honestly, I didn't follow a lot of it. Yeah. So I think the cult would be like, she's safe. <laughs> they quizzed you on it. You're like, I don't know. Like, Who's Dave? Yeah. Had small wings. What? what? Describe Cthulhu. What? What's what Cthulhu? are you talking about? Yeah. Someone about who's? I think. And they'd be like, just leave her. She's all right. She's all right. She doesn't know. She's all right, that one. I feel like not a lot really happened in that story. Yeah. It was all about... It was more of a mystery mm. sort of thing than a. Yeah. It was literally about a man rifling through an old man's stuff, having mm. a read. Mm. We've all done that. Oh, yeah. But then he also, but then he went to Dunedin. That's and, true. And Sydney. Yeah. He went travelling. What do you call those books that are about, oh, being read through other books? That's a, called an epistolary novel. Was so this was this full epistolary? No, not full not epistolary because it's him recounting stuff. So you don't actually read. It's right. like epistolaries, when it goes full into that, it's like uh, like a, a diary. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, we never read the diary. Yeah, it's him recounting someone else's yeah, okay, right. yep. notes and stuff. Yeah. Mm. So it's so semi-epistolary, I think you could call it. Yeah, okay. One day I might write an epistolary book where I just go, hey, I found this book called The Call of the Cthulhu. <laughs> And this is what it said. And then I picked it <laughs> up. Page one. <laughs> yeah. what, are gonna, what are you going to call that book? Uh, Matt Recalls <laughs> of the Cthulhu. <laughs> That's actually pretty good, That's Dave. good. Dave. Yeah. 
That's pretty good. I think I found next week's episode. <laughs> Matt has to come back in and recall <laughs> this week's episode. And it's So this main character, <laughs> the mysterious man, Matt. <laughs> we don't know much about him. <laughs> Except that he's a massive babe. And, <laughs> yeah. um, well, what it says at the start is anyway, everyone knows I'm real hot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everyone knows I'm real hot. <laughs> everyone says it, everyone thinks it, everyone knows it. It's boring to me, but... <laughs> It's not my value, no. but yeah. I am... If you needed someone a picture. Incredibly hot. Picture real hot. Picture the hottest man <laughs> you've ever seen and then like double it. Double, double it. it. Double it minimum. At least. And that's me being humble. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like to brag, so I won't. But I could. If I wanted. Because I'm real good at that too. Also, I could beat your dad in a fight. <laughs> yeah. Easy. I am your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I am your dad. I'll in beat myself. <laughs> <if> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Only person who could beat me. Easy. I know my own weaknesses and they are... None. None. <laughs> well, sometimes too polite. <laughs> Honestly, I care too much. <laughs> it tends to do a job interview. It's again, it's just a stream of consciousness and it's not good. I quite like that, Dave. Yeah, but what do I, you think? I, I never know if it's just your retelling or what because I tend to enjoy the books you <laughs> recount to me on the show. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I, I thought it was good. I was in it. There were parts that I didn't understand what he was talking about. But for the most part, thought it was pretty intriguing, and yeah, when he recombined, that's fun. Oh yeah, because I'm I'm like, how does this guy get away? This is like the most superior being on on the in the earth. Yeah, the most superior. That's no good. But anyway, how does one man outrun it? And so it needed to be something. And that was kind of fun that he exploded it. <laughs> yeah, and then it reformed with ooze. That's pretty cool. What about, so this is the most acclaimed horror writer of the last century. Did you find yourself scared? No. No. Okay, I'm neither did scared. I, to be honest. Sorry. Sorry. But I think horror changes, like, you know, we've had some pretty pretty full-on horror films come out since 1928. So yeah, that's fair. Maybe yeah. that's what's changed it. Maybe since the Blair Witch Project came out. Oh, my God, so scared, eh? That was <laughs> sort of like an epistolary movie. Yeah. yeah. In a way. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Which I've never seen, but... <laughs> I saw bits of it at it a family feel, friend's house. It gave me a bit of a headache Yeah, from the shaky camera. Oh, yeah, fair enough. What, the family friend's house you saw a bit? Yeah, just from like peeking over the back of the couch while the older kids were watching it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go see what my mum is doing because <laughs> oh, this is too much for me. Yeah, people once watched Jeepers Creepers at a birthday party I was at. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to go in the backyard for a bit. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bit too much for me. You went to that guy by yourself? Yeah. <laughs> you know, played like totem tennis or something. Yeah. Walked into a spider's web. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, okay. Well, so usually we score it out of five, okay. if you don't mind. How are you feeling about this? You I can love it. You can hate it. You can be ambivalent about it. What do you think? I'm a little indifferent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say like three... Okay, three out of five. That's not bad, but but I wasn't like I'm gonna read because sometimes I come on this podcast and I haven't read the book, and then you tell me about it. And I'm like, I might read that. I haven't yet um, to anything, but I don't. <laughs> it's hard when you know how like yeah. the full story. I don't, it kind of feels like nah, I'm not gonna go read it all. Maybe read one of their other ones. Yeah, that's fair. yeah right. You like their style, maybe. Yeah. What but do you reckon, Matt? I. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed it enough, but yeah, it's somewhere in the th- in the low threes, maybe three point two. Three point two, love that. 
3.2 out of 5. I'm also going to go pretty low for me, which is about... I'm going to give it a 3. Yeah. I enjoyed the way it was told because it is interesting, like having, oh, it's little bits of newspapers, it's little bits of this. Yeah. Well, that was quite interesting. But for the most part, it didn't grip me too much. Right. Yeah, I'm not gripped and I'm not scared, which is, uh, for a horror, I think, the uh, outcome you're going for. Mm. Scared. Yeah, right. It seems like it sort of used the suspense and stuff as... Maybe that was, but I guess I didn't have to read through the whole thing. Yeah, but even when I was reading through part three, even the climactic bit of like him smashing into the monster's face, there was only a couple of paragraphs. It wasn't. Yeah, right. Yep. Wasn't that much more than what I read out then. So, like, yeah, it was a cool idea. Yeah, yeah, I think I like some of the ideas and the ooze being green, which is great. You know, I like it like that. And it feels quite um, ahead of its time. Yeah, sounds like it's super. Influential, right? Yeah. Yes, very influential. And then from this, there's like the whole mythos, which has lots of these uh, gods. It's funny when, you, when you've when you read or, or seen things that are inspired by the original text, that the original feels a bit hacky compared to it. Yeah. It's like, it's because if it didn't exist, you wouldn't, all yeah, these things you've seen is. since. So it's hard to compare it to. Like, you know, Read this in 1928. You're like, oh, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Whoa, this is full on. Sort of try to, got to try and give it some context. But uh, but people do still read it now and love it, right? Yeah. But and like, I imagine like, a lot of people listening right now, if they handled your... I mean, three out of five is still a decent score. Yeah, I'm not telling you. It's, it's not hack. Yeah. But no, those also, are Matt's words, if yeah. anybody is angered. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Tweet at Matt. <laughs> but yes, again, if if you haven't heard it, uh, we did really go into the, the detail of H.P. Lovecraft's life, which was fascinating. And um, you can check that out on the Do Go On feed. But there's only one thing left to do, and that is uh, people support the show on Patreon. Mm-hmm. And uh, they support not only this, this show, but our show, Do Go On. And also... Our other spin-off shows, which include Primates, where Matt is uh, going through Umbrella Academy Season 2 at the moment with Evan. Yeah, so we, uh, Evan from Gamey Gamey Game, or, or other things that I call it on the show, Jiminy James <laughs> show or whatever. But it's, um, yeah, the Umbrella Academy, a Netflix series based on a comic book series by Gerard Way. I was calling him Jared Way, and a few people told me that is not how you pronounce his name. Gerard. Yeah. But do you, you think you're, you're confident you're saying way, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Since I got a few messages about that, I haven't been confident of anything anymore. But yeah, so he, it's a series on Netflix. You've probably seen it, have you? Yeah, I've seen the first season. And it's, uh, yeah, it's about a, it's sort of like a, a bit of a fun take on the superhero story. Yeah. And yeah, we're into halfway through season two and I'm, I'm watching them as we record them. So I'll be watching episode five. In a couple of days, looking forward to uh, that. I'm loving the second season, but I love the first season too. So we've gone through every episode so far. So there's about 14 episodes on that. And before that, we every week was about a different uh, primate in popular culture. The Umbrella Academy features a couple. One's like a, especially in the first season, there's a, a chimp butler yeah, named great. Uh, Phineas Pogo. And there's also one of the main superheroes is an ape man. Yeah got the body of an ape um and the head of a man i guess the real question is what's better a chimp or robot butler mm. Ugh, i'd have to go a chimp okay. yeah chimp i reckon because there's also a robot 
um, nanny kind of. Yeah. In, okay. in the show as well. So you can compare and contrast. What's better, a chimp or robot nanny? Okay, I'm going to go with the robot, robot nanny. nanny. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah. You, wouldn't great, wanna, great you might not trust the chimp with the young children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like, but you would them trust apart. them with your breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not going to spit any breakfast. They might rip off your kids' limbs. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we know we don't know of any robots that can do such things. Yeah, that's right. Well, you haven't seen Terminator 2, but that will change your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you want to support those shows and this one, you go to patreon.com slash pod, and we put out our three bonus episodes every single month on there. You can also be in our Facebook group. We put out a newsletter where I announce the books in advance and, uh, yeah, all sorts of little rewards. But one thing I do is I like to thank a few people and they tell me their favourite book. Oh, great. If you wouldn't mind, I'll read out. These are our beautiful Patreon supporters. Um, I don't mind, but I will not be contributing. Oh, that's fine. You can sit there quietly if you like. Yeah, for sure. I was thinking, Dave, while, we, um, while we've got them, <laughs> the listeners, uh, what are some of the other do-go-on book ones we've done? We've done a bunch now over the time. Uh, yes, we've done... You did another horror writer not too long ago. Uh, which directly linked to The Raven on this show. Uh, yes, uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, we did uh, uh, the guy who did The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, we've done yep. Tolkien. We've done The Life of William Shakespeare. Yep. Done uh, Rowling or we've, Rowling. Yeah, from Harry Potter. And we've also done uh, The Mysterious Disappearance of Agatha Christie. Oh, yeah. That's right. Which also touched on much of her life, but also the period where she disappeared for a time. So, if you, yeah, if you're a book lover... I mean, we do all sorts of other topics as well. There's murderers or famous entertainers. Disasters. Disasters, mysteries. Um, yeah. Disasters in the air, on the sea. Uh, great explorers. Explorers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I was really exploring my way through that word. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, please uh, get involved if you can. Uh, that would be fantastic. Check out Do Go On. And also, thank you very much to these people for supporting the show directly on Patreon. First of all, this week, I've got Adrian Hernandez Arista, who says, Hi, Dave. I've been meaning to tell you my favorite book for a while, but I always seem to forget to do it. Better late than never. Absolutely. My favorite book is <laughs> Death of a Salesman by Arthur Miller. Oh, haven't you done that on this show? I haven't done it yet. It's well, you did another Arthur Miller. Have you done no Arthur Miller? I've done no Arthur Miller. You talked about that, I reckon, with... Maybe Zach and Mish or someone yes. like so that. So the the big three of uh, the great American plays of the 20th century are often said to be A Streetcar Named Desire, which mm-hmm. I did last week, uh, A Long Day's Journey Tonight by Eugene O'Neill, and Death of a Salesman by Arthur Miller, which is a fantastic play, and I promise I'll get to it. And Adrian says, I read it, first read it in high school and have reread it a few times. It's probably as tragic as Long Day's Journey Tonight, mm-hmm. so it's a perfect opportunity to bring back Mish and Zach. <laughs> I don't really want to give away much because I hope one day to listen to your take on it and books forever. Thanks, Adrian. Yeah, it's been uh, I've been getting a few uh, actory types on to do uh, plays. Smart. Like that. Yeah, so great. That's very smart. Last week was uh, well, uh, Michelle and us, Ben. But yeah, that's fun. Well, Jess was drama captain. Yeah, she's that's basically true. a dramaturg. And Matt is acting all the time. Yeah, he doesn't even sound like that in real life. <laughs> I'm acting out. What do you really <laughs> sound like? Just give us a glimpse. <laughs> He's a hobgoblin. I like, <laughs> I, I like fish. <laughs> He's a hobgoblin who loves fish. <laughs> and that's why we don't let the real bat on podcasts. <laughs> it's all he does is talk about fish. <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite bands is called, I think is named after that player, The Dead Salesman. Which is 
Oh, very clever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know a few references. That's pretty good. Uh, I got a message here from uh, Samuel Ward here. He says, uh, shout out today because this is actually how I found Do Go On. Have not even listened to one episode yet because I'm catching up on Do Go On in order. Fantastic. My favorite book is hard. Let's say the Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> I also love this. I found Book Cheat because I was and now have started a similar podcast called In Summary. Similar to yours. Anyway, cheers. <laughs> Samuel. Oh, you've got a new arch nemesis. So hang on. Found I haven't listened. Your podcast while seeing who the competition was. And then somehow. And then didn't listen. listen to your podcast, but did start listening to Do Go On. <laughs> That's. I mean, that message. He's <laughs> con- confusing and amazing. That was a narrative in itself. Samuel, <laughs> thank you so much. In summary, uh, I guess check it out. I can't help but feel maybe you've only supported the Patreon so you can get an ad in for your podcast at pretty the smart. end. It's pretty smart. Samuel, I, hats off to you. <laughs> Good luck with it. <laughs> Dave, well done being the bigger man there. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> That'll be edited out almost definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aaron, thank you so much for supporting the show, Aaron. Aaron's written, hey guys, I started listening to Book Cheat. Book Cheat. Uh, no, the name of the show, Aaron. Thanks so much. At the beginning of this year, and I'm hooked. Just wanted to send my love. I haven't checked out Prime Hits or Do Go On yet. <laughs> <laughs> These messages <laughs> aren't usually like this. <laughs> I, was like, I, 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 I just need to say every truth. I don't want to lie to you at all. I haven't enjoyed it all. <laughs> I haven't even tried it. <laughs> oh, not for me. <laughs> Aaron writes, I'm a big reader. Listening to Dave comes from my f- cover some of my favorite books and books I haven't read yet. Really makes my day. Thanks, Aaron. My favourite book is Peter Pan. <laughs> Sorry. I um, <laughs> forgot that, which I highly recommend it for book cheat. I'd, also, I'd love to do that, actually, one day. I also love Frankenstein. I really loved your episode on it. Keep up the great stuff. Books forever. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate that. Yeah, I think Peter Pan. Absolutely. Yeah, Peter Pan. Yeah. Do the, I'd do the hook version with Robin Williams. Love that. Oh, yes. We've done an episode on him yeah. recently. Bangarang. Bangarang. Uh, Timothy, thank you so much. Says to the book cheat crew, my favorite book is City of Thieves by David Benioff. It was used as inspiration for the creation of my f- absolute favorite story and, and intellectual property, The Last of Us. Ironically enough, when discussing our favorite books with my best friend, I mentioned this book and my friend said this was her most hated book. Oh, wow. 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 And yet you funny. can still be best friends. Hey, yeah. Jess, what's your favorite intellectual property? <laughs> <laughs> my favorite intellectual property is Neighbors. Oh, yeah. Great. Is that your most hated intellectual property? It is. And yet, we are best <laughs> friends. <laughs> well done, everyone. <laughs> I can't lie. I love Neighbours. <laughs> haven't seen it in 10 years, well, but I hate grew it. up on it. Good stuff. Oh. So, there you go. Look, we're flipped. Aren't we cute? Uh, Timothy's asked a question, which is, what do you like to use as a bookmark when you read? Oh, great. Oh. I used to have great bookmarks, like ones that we made in primary school oh, and yeah. laminated. So they're sturdy. Yeah, my mum used to use a book bookmark that my sister made in prep in 1992. Yeah. Or something. Cute. yeah, I don't really... I've used like uh, festival passes. Yeah, they're, receipts. They're kind of that nice laminated... Plane thi- tickets. Yeah. I, yeah, plane, plane tickets ticket. are really good. At actually. the moment, I'm just using a, a full le- unopened letter that yes. I know is spam. So I'm like, I don't need to open it, but yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a very big bookmark. That's great. Yeah. But you don't lose your page. Well, I, I but mean, also, I don't know where to buy bookmarks now. Where do you get them? They're out of print. Where, where do I go get an actual bookmark? So bookshop. Of course, I'm just going to... But then I don't always have them. 
Jeez, I like the ones they've with missed a trick, haven't they? Yeah, jeez. Like, get on Look it. Look at all those bloody reading lights. I've thought about if I made uh, book cheat merch that bookmarks could be Absolutely. my. Yes. yes, that's that's. Can gold. I have one for free, please? Sure. Thank you. Great. Let me know, guys. Dave, book- could I have one for free? You can have two for free. <laughs> Cause it sounds like you need a really thick one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tape them together. <laughs> you use a smaller book as a bookmark for your larger. <laughs> uh, so thanks, Timothy. Grace Brooks writes, Hi, Dave. Love book cheat. Thanks so much for all th- the all you three do. So that's for you guys as well. Go Thank you so much. It's seriously hard to choose just one favorite book, but one that I keep coming back to again and again and again and again and again is The Magician's Nephew by C.S. Lewis. It is the first book in the Narnia series had to look this up because I was like, is that true? And it is uh, chronologically the first book. Ah. And I'm sure people will write in to tell me that otherwise. So I, I double-checked that. I <laughs> uh, first read it when I was a kid and I reread it every year. There is something about young adult fiction that is so fantastically magical and wonderful that it keeps me going back to that genre. Thanks again for all the laughs. Thanks, Grace. That's nice. It was been interesting, I mean, to have a book and it's so close to a magician but they just end up Doing the whole book about his nephew. Yeah. He's an accountant. Yeah. You know? And a bit they of never a even mentioned <laughs> magic. Yeah. They get you get you're thinking, all right, they're gonna get to it. They're gonna get to no, it. No, it's just never this do. this accountant's this life. Accountant prick. He's a prick. <laughs> and at one point in passing he says in conversation, Oh, my uncle's actually a magician. And you're like, Oh, here we go. Here we yeah. go. And then he changes the topic. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, uh, I think it's your round. Yeah. He's at the pub. Yeah, at the pub. And a lot of it takes place at the pub. <laughs> He's an alcoholic. <laughs> and it's not his round. No. no, it wasn't. He's, he's just a being prick. a prick. <laughs> Absolute prick. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy book. But I'm glad she enjoys it. <laughs> uh, finally, Orla McGrath here. Thank you so much, Orla. Hey, Dave. My favorite book is The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. I did request it, but it was... South East Hinton. Yeah. I grew <laughs> up down there. Did you? Yeah. Wow. I'm more of a, I'm more of a North East Hinton kind of guy. Yeah, we know, mate. Uh, Orla writes, I did request it, but it was an idiot and spelt the author's name wrong. Maybe all it did write North East Hinton. <laughs> it was published when the author was just 18 years old and is widely considered the first book to be classified as a young adult novel. Oh, oh wow. That's yeah. cool. It's a fantastic look into class warfare, empathy, and loss of childhood innocence. It's a quick read, and the movie is pretty good adaptation with a star-studded cast, so much so that a young Tom Cruise is just a glorified extra. Oh, wow. Wow. Definitely would recommend. Thanks so much. I love the pod. And oh, thank you, yes. Orla. I know, I know that film, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's a star-studded cast from memory. Is that like it's all those guys around his age or the sort of went on to be leading men? All I I'm remember from right it thing. is that Tom Cruise is just an oh, extra. Yeah. I know all the oh, – she's around the, the Facebook group, the mm-hmm. um, Patreon Facebook group a bit, always contributing great stuff. Yeah, good oh, stuff. I'm looking at the, the cast here. We've got Matt Dillon, Ralph Marchio. Patrick Swayze, Rob, Rob, Rob Lowe, Lowe oh. Diane Lane, Emilio Estevez, Tom Cruise, Leif Garrett. Got, is that the Brat Pack or part of it somehow? Or something? Yeah, they must. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or adjacent? Stuff. Yeah, this film helped spark the Brat Pack genre of the 1980s. There you go. There you go. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Ah. Big name. Sophie's, yeah. Yeah, Sophie's dad. Hmm. Mainly known as, but also chucked out a couple of films himself. Yeah, oh, okay. Talented family. Yeah, very. Well, that does bring us to the end of the Book Cheat episode this week. Thank you so much for everyone for listening to it. Much appreciated. Uh, Matt and Jess, we've mentioned our podcast. Do go on if you want to check that out. And Matt's Primates 
and listen now, your music show we haven't talked about. Yes, uh, that's uh, slowed down a bit during the lockdown, but um, we'll be getting back to weekly episodes uh, in the next week or so. Where uh, It's a music podcast where we're going through listeners and um, people on Patreon and stuff as well voted for the top 20 albums from the 80s, sort of rock or rock adjacent albums, and we're about seven or eight albums in. And yeah, we've it's been a it's been a wild ride, all sorts of genres. Huey Lewis and the News kicked it off, but there's been um, Aussie rock and punk and all sorts of stuff. The Clash are in there. Dave featured on that. The next one coming up is going to be The Smiths. Mm. Meet his murder. And yeah, it's probably been the hardest one for me to get into, but now that I'm into it, I'm right into it. Uh, and the fir- that's the second season. The first season was about Australian pub rock legends, Cold Chisel, fronted by. Jimmy Barnes. Um, so, yeah, let's listen now with Matt and Sam, it's called. And a bloody good time. Bloody fun. Bloody good time. And, Jess, your quest Thank is you. to get 10,000 followers on Instagram. I'm so close. How I close? don't understand why people don't just follow me. Yeah. You can mute people. Just follow me <laughs> yeah. and then so mute you me. Mute you never have to look at it again. Let's do a live update right here as I'm... At oh, the time of do- recording. While you're doing that, Dave, I can tell you, believe this or not, the New Zealand TV Awards are called, not the NZs, oh. but the NZ TV Awards. It's so close. <laughs> so oh. close and N- quite dull. NZ TV Awards. Love that. Um, lo- at the time of recording, 9,558. Well, sorry, 57. I've just unfollowed you. You piece of <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, get on there. Less than 500 to go. You, that's amazing. I know. And then I can just die happy. Yeah, and then you'll delete. Don't you want me to be happy? Log out forever after but that. Jess also does great content anyway, so that's the bonus. Once you're following her, you'll see great photos and stories, which mm. I always forget to watch, but apparently they're real good. <laughs> I never. Ah, I forget stories are there. Who says they're good then? Oh, I've just seen. I've heard people say. There's yeah. hype. You've got hype. Oh, I've yeah. just. There's buzz around. Yeah, heaps of it. Yeah. I mean, the photos are good. Yeah. So check but that. those the stories. That's so follow Jess. Follow her. Oh, and the other thing we should mention, Dave, is the Do Go On live streams. Oh yeah, we are doing some live streams of uh, Do Go On. So if you liked the vibe here today, <laughs> you can see the three of us live <laughs> stream to your lounge room or wherever you're. Devices, maybe floating in a pool. Maybe you could be in the bath. Oh, that'd be oh cool. that's where I've been. That's the dream. I've been watching the Umbrella Academy in the bath exclusively. <laughs> it's so good. That's great. There was one scene in an episode a few weeks ago where the shot was of a bath and it was the exact mirror of me <gasps> and it felt real weird but great. As yeah, well. that's wow. good. You were part of it. I felt like I was in it. Yeah. I was in the Umbrella Academy. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. But I was just in the bath. <laughs> oh, just thanks for being clear. <laughs> Sitting at my wet desk. <laughs> <laughs> or the uh, the liquid cinema as I've started calling it. <laughs> like that. So, yeah, we're doing four live streams at four different times for uh, to capture different parts of the world. It's a world tour live from our studio. Oh, you got to do a book-related one, Dave. Okay. Challenge there accepted. Challenge accepted. I'll link to all that stuff. I'll link to Jess's Instagram, our Thank podcast, you. and uh, tickets for the live stream. They start at the end of November 2020 and for four weeks. But thanks so much for listening, and until next time, thanks, Book Chooks. And I will say... Books forever! (laughs) (laughs) Man, it feels so much less sad with someone else doing it. Thank you. (laughs) Bye, everyone. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.